You are listening to Rank and Vile, a proud member of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? So, we don't usually do um, Newswire on this show, but <laughs> right. the hottest story has come across the desk and we have to talk about it. We have no choice but to discuss it. So, everyone is trying to make up for the convention season that we're missing because of social distancing. And, you know, there's some great and there's some bad. We've seen a revitalization of drive-through theaters. Like, Mm. everything is happening at drive-throughs now. There's social distance wrestling now. And, uh, of course, there's digital conferences. And uh, I reported earlier about going to the Funimation Con. Oh, yeah. But I just got word of Tricon 2020 and um, this is pretty wild. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a board game convention where you play as a digital avatar in their platform. So you, huh. second lifestyle, walk around with a digital version of yourself <laughs> and walk up to a table <laughs> and play a board game with other people. And over your icon is is a video stream of you playing the game. I so this is what you're describing to me right now is that we have like snow crash style cyberpunk like being on the net and having an avatar of yourself. And the thing we're doing with that is that we're playing board games in cyberspace. And not only are we playing board games at Castle Tricon 2020, we're playing the new Vampire the Masquerade game. Oh, shit. All right, now you got to tell me about this, because I have been dying to know about this. Okay, so it's not a role-playing game. It is a competitive card game using Vampire the Masquerade IP. Huh. Now, the best thing about it is it is co-designed by Bruno Fiduti. Um, so if you're a big board game nerd, he is the French game designer that made Citadels, which is like my favorite card game of all time. Oh, I fucking love Citadels. Yeah, it's a perfect game. So what I'm hoping is this is actually a Vampire the Masquerade version of Citadels. Um, it's called Vampire the Masquerade Vendetta. It's a two-plus player game. It says it only takes 15 minutes which I am intrigued about. Here's the quote <laughs> How do they arrive from at that? The, yeah. yeah, here's the quote from the publishers. Uh, Join one of the vampire clans of the Camarilla. Build your hand, play cards, and blood to earn the control of powerful allies and precious influence points. Your goal is to conquer the role of Prince of Chicago. See, so yeah. it sounds like it is Citadel's but. Vampire the Masquerade. I am waiting from the publisher to get further details 
So uh, we will give you, our precious listeners, updates on this. <laughs> but I kind of want to Snow Crash style jack into the mainframe to try oh, yeah. this game out. Oh, you need to. Honestly, I th- this is the thing that I love about um, Vampire the, the Masquerade Vendetta is that if this is just like a reskin of Citadels with Vampires, this is basically what the game Love Letter does, where every variation of the game Love Letter, like it, it, in, in my house, the um, the one we have on rotation most is Batman Love Letter. You don't have Saw Love Letter? <laughs> Are you shitting me? They have Saw Love Letter. They have Saw Love Letter. It's, it's me, your boyfriend. <laughs> Alternatively, the Batman version where Batman <laughs> is reading a love letter. Oh my god, Jigsaw and Batman had a, hey, Joker, it's me. You want to play a game? And it's just, and it's that, but I, yeah, honestly, board games, I, I, we have, so in earnest, we tried playing um, Wasteland uh, Express Delivery Service, which is. A huge now it, it is it is a huge 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 tabletop game that has like hundreds of pieces and writing and it, like this is on the side of the thing it says two to three hours, um so this is one of those big boy games where it's like you really want to have the day clear like probably bring some cold cuts maybe some lemonade like you're going to want to settle into this it's not I don't know like it's it's a level of intense intensity that I have that I was unaware existed in tabletop games. Oh Ryan, have you ever played Aquasphere? No, what is this? So Aquasphere is a game from Tasty Minstrel Games and um if you love obtuse overcomplicated board games. Oh, I it's definitely do. It is a game where you are scientists in an under lab, underwater sea lab, uh-huh. and you have to uh, avoid purple octopus meeples who are <laughs> fucking up all of your machines, and you have to place little worker drones throughout the lab to gain points in like Ain't that just the way. 10 different ways. So the victory points in that game, which is a big European game thing of like mm-hmm. multiple routes to victory. Oh, it yeah. is so overwhelming because there's so many different ways to get victory points and the, and the number of rounds is so few. It is unbearably hard. Man, this is, I I love so much, by the way, that in quarantine, like, certainly in my house, we've gotten more into board games because of the kind of like, well, you know, we can only all fuck off on our laptops so much. Like, there's only, you know, there's only so much of that you can do. Side note, um, friend of the podcast, uh, Duncan Parker Newton Gaines, uh, sent me a DVD containing the, the, the only season of Kindred colon The Embraced, which was a Vampire the Masquerade a TV series that ran in the 90s. That's amazing. So I am, other yeah. than Kindred, what other ghoul shit have you been imbibing, Ryan? Oh, Jesus. Um, well, mainlining in your artery. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, in the last week, I've been... So I've been working my way through... Um, there was a, a big pack of, uh, like, hundreds of games that you can download uh, to benefit um, local charities in Minnesota. And this was at, like, the height of you know, when everything was going down in Minnesota. Um, and one of them that I uh, just finished today was, uh, it was called just Please. And it is basically you're a repairman in a spooky building and it's the future and it's super abstract. And then the whole thing, you get led through this weird uh, industrial hell. And then, and then at the end of it, as your uh, vision melts, it just says like, politeness is a sign of dignity, not weakness. It's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> 
abstract game designers, I I guess I guess I really learned something here today. Um, the other the other ghoul shit that I've been literally consuming in my lungs is the air in California. If I sound like um, your aunt from Long Island right now, who smokes like two packs of Virginia Slims a day, this would be why. Um, the the air in California, especially where I'm at right now, um, it kind of constantly smells like barbecue chips. And it's just, the, the air quality is very, very bad. Like, I can't be outside for too long. So right now, my, my voice, I sound I sound kind of rough. So I was worried is... you started smoking again when you first called <laughs> me. And hey, then I realized hey. that your coast is literally on fire. <laughs> well, in a way, all of California is smoking. Um, which, I mean, lately, I have been, like, getting nicotine cravings again. But I think it's just because the smoke in the air is fooling my brain into thinking like, wait, so we're already doing that, right? Like You're basically can... walking through a vat of KC Masterpiece barbecue <laughs> chips all day. I am getting hot boxed by Mother Nature at the at this time. Um although it's kind of great because where I'm at in California, like it's not super bad. Like sure, the sun is like a radioactive shade of pink uh every night at sunset. Um and you know, like there's this sort of ambient, hey, you live in California, the whole thing could drop into the earth during an earthquake or catch on fire or both at once, which would be ideal, I think, because that's that's the earth wanted you dead. Like it ha- it has to really want. Oh, it. yeah, it does not. So um, speaking of wanting you dead, let's talk about uh, the, the first movie we're doing tonight, um, which may be only movie we're doing tonight, depending on how much we want to talk about this incredible fucking movie that I had never heard of. Uh, before we decided to sit down and do this episode, Quincy, tell me, tell me about what's the what's the name of the movie we're doing for this week? Faust: colon, Love of the Damned from the year two thousand, directed and produced by Brian Usna, the immortal Brian Usna. Um, he was the guy who uh, produced uh, the Reanimator movies and Society, and um, he's he's been doing basically this sort of thing for a long time. By this point, uh, at the time that this movie uh, came yeah, out, yeah. And and the thing that Brian Usna is really known for is gore, and yeah. you can tell that because he hired Screaming Mad George, the yes. effects, the special effects maestro to make this. Now, I first learned of this movie because, like other unwell individuals, I spent a <laughs> lot of my time Google image searching Screaming Mad George mm-hmm. and especially watching the gifs of uh, Screaming Mad George sequences. He's so just amazing. melting and expanding woman gif from this uh, sequence from this movie was my <sighs> first introduction to this film. Uh, then I found this Trimark DVD that actually has a Screaming Mad George commentary track oh, where uh, George, uh, Jacques Haitken, the DP, and Andrew Devolf kind of moderating the two all talk on the same track. And it is oh my God. amazing. You have to pay a lot of money for this DVD. It is out of print, <laughs> but... Man. If, if this could be transferred to just a podcast, if we could just get a podcast of these three dudes talking about any movie, it would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that the director of motherfucking photography, the man that shot the film, 
talks about how much of a genius Yuzna is throughout the movie. He's like, look at yeah. this shot. That setup is perfect. I'm so glad that the director told me to film it that way. Not yeah. look at how talented I am. Look at how smart the director is. Oh, that's lovely that he's like putting over Brian Yuzna for being like a visionary director. Honestly, um, I feel like, all right, here, my, my question here. Uh, so uh, Andrew Divoff, who um, for uh, uh, Wishmaster heads out there will recognize as the fucking Wishmaster, like it's just Andrew Divoff. Um, does he do the the Wishmaster slash Mephistopheles voice on the commentary when he's moderating them? Or does he just like sound like a normal guy? Ryan, that's his voice. <laughs> Whoa, fuck. He's got that baritone, velvety voice. Oh, I'm just imagining that voice, to, you know, asking me to elaborate on something. I would be fucking terrified to elaborate on something if he asked me to go into specifics. Now, this is this film was a Spanish co-production, mm-hmm. and Andrew Divoff also uh, has perfect Spanish pronunciation. <laughs> well, so yeah, he's because... rattling off the names of all of the stunt crew and the producers and these film festivals in Spanish, and it's just it is the most entrancing track to watch over the most insane movie I've ever seen. I cannot recommend watching it any other way. Yeah, honestly, a, a thing that I just learned, actually, uh, and uh, uh, Andrew Divoff is Venezuelan. Really? So, yeah, so there we go. Well, it also doesn't help. Oh, and another really great part of this uh, commentary track is Screaming Mad George and Divoff talk about bleach routines because both <laughs> of them are highly familiar with hair dye. Oh, Jesus. Now, or, oh, we'll, we'll get into Andrew Devoff's hair dye in this film. So, this movie, um, which, first of all, this movie is steeped in uh, the year 2000 in terms of, like, when groove metal and new metal butt rock were, like, just starting to melt into one another. Yeah, um, it, it's really interesting how I didn't even think that metalcore was anticipated by the music on this soundtrack because working at the mall in the 2010s, this is kind Mm -hmm. of like what uh, was really popular at the time. And I didn't even think that it came from these very humble roots. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, it's got a lot of sort of like Phil Anselmo from Pantera's popping up up all over this thing. You've got like Sepultura and Cold Chamber and um, El Nino, by the way, which immediately makes me think of them being on the uh, Freddy vs. Jason soundtrack, which is also rotten with new metal. Um, but so the movie starts, and now what's incredible is that, so uh, this being a Brian Yuzna film, uh, Herbert West himself, Jeffrey Combs, shows up in this film as a police detective. Um, and what, what what's incredible about this performance, by the way, is that when it starts off, I'm like, oh shit, did they give legendary character actor Jeffrey Combs, like, a pretty straightforward part? They did not. <laughs> My favorite thing is Jeffrey Combs is supposed to be your regular police lieutenant. He comes up to this house that is under siege and everyone is and all of the police are like, we shouldn't go in there. And literal blood gushes out of the door jam. And they're like, yeah, you shouldn't go in there. And Jeffrey Combs says, I'm going to go in. Cover me. (laughs) Yeah, he he just bursts in there. What's incredible is that he um, he goes in there, and him being like sort of a, a detective, or excuse me, a lieutenant. His name is Lieutenant Dan Margolis, and he uh, bursts into the room and finds a guy who I would describe as like Kirkland's signature Wolverine. <laughs> he 
is. Um, he's, you know, he's like dressed like a regular guy, but he's got these big fucking uh, claws sticking out of his arm that are also retractable like uh, like like you would with a Wolverine. Or a Baraka um, or any other character from the 90s. Oh, yeah. They're, they're in the mix. Honestly, this movie is uh, extremely early 90s in a way to me because it's it's like... Um, this is it, it seems like it's in conversation with Spawn and like Todd McFarlane and like what it if we is did based on an indie comic book ah there we go and this so wasn't a Todd McFarlane is, so so we have to talk about this because it's very relevant to the crow as well oh yeah so comic books in the 90s were very much grim gritty we're not your we're not kid stuff god damn it there it's right. still real to me we gotta set ourselves <laughs> apart it's all gritty and grim look at look at how many pouches i've got on my belt how could you accuse me of being like a cartoon for children <laughs> so we have to talk about rob Liefeld because he's really i mean he's become <laughs> the scapegoat but but rightfully so yeah. So Rob Liefeld is this super popular comic book artist in the 90s. He's just this kid. The man honestly said, okay, what two comic books are selling the best at Marvel? Wolverine and the Punisher. I'm going to create a comic book character with a bigger gun than the Punisher and a larger, sharper knife and more muscles than Wolverine. And he creates Cable. Yeah, it's now. This is also didn't. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like DC uh, having Lobo as a character and being like totally not Wolverine. He is legally and plausibly distinct from the character Wolverine. Now we also have to talk about how Liefeld had a hand in Deadpool, which is a whole nother headache that we're going to cover probably never on this podcast. But yeah, uh, uh, Rob Liefeld fucking sucks. That guy sucks. Here's the other thing. When he quit Marvel because he's like, okay, I can get a job at an independent comic company and make creator own stuff and make twice as much money. Mm-hmm. He created Youngblood, which is X-Men, but reskinned. So Youngblood has a character that is Wolverine, including the hair, and he's really short and stocky and muscular. And Bad Rock, who is the <laughs> thing, but he fucks. He's a bad rock, right? Oh, oh, the thing already fucks. Don't worry about it. And Shaft, who is Hawkeye. He just is like, okay, I'm going to take these comic characters and just tweak them enough that I can get away with it. So everyone in the fucking 90s is doing this. Frantically filing the serial numbers off. Grimdark characters like the Crow, that's clearly just Batman, but goth. And we get characters like Faust, who is Demon Wolverine. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I when I when I think of Rob Liefeld, I always think of the time that he got fired from Image Comics by Todd McFarlane and like other people were like they were on a big conference call um that he wasn't at. He was on the little like triangular thing in the middle of the table and apparently Todd McFarlane literally ended the call before hanging up on Rob Liefeld by going, "Okay, so uh we don't like you and we don't want to work with you no more. Okay, bye." And like hung the call up on Rob Liefeld, casting him out into the dark forever. Like Rob Liefeld, I, I think it's kind of amazing that you can have a career just doing like the Jimmy Hart version of a superhero and then getting credit for making it. <laughs> yeah, like, and and to be fair, he is one of the most enthusiastic 
supporters of the comic book industry, he's constantly like just nice to everyone and is like, look at comics, they're really cool. I can't draw for shit. Don't ask me to draw a foot to save my life. Oh, never. But feel. comics are really great. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I, I think I've just seen enough shit from that guy being, like, homophobic with, like, ah, the Shatterstar shouldn't be gay. He was supposed to be, like, a like a Roman, you know? Like, not gay, like how the Romans were. Like, <laughs> he's, he's got some truly picante. The very straight ancient Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were they were all men, baby. Like, he, you know, he's he's got his own picante takes on, on things. Um, but, so, I mean, and, and that is all over Faust's uh, love of the damned. In this quarter, on the Greenlit Podcast Network, Chris Sims and Matt Wilson. And in this quarter, VHS oddities, confusing animation, and modern not-so-classics. Plus snacks! Movie fighters! We watch movies and beat them up! Um, so Jeffrey, Jeffrey Combs, playing uh, Lieutenant Dan Margolis, uh, bursts into the room and sees a, a, a schmolverine cowering in the corner with a, uh, with a woman who's there that he looks like he's just about to kill. Um, and, uh, he does not kill the, uh, the, the, the frightened man with the claws on his hands. The, like, uh, his boss, uh, he is, is... the mayor. Oh, wait, he's, the... oh, no, wait, no, excuse me. It's Commissioner Marino. Yes. He is. Yeah. And he's like constantly chewing a stogie. Like he's just this piece of shit. He comes in after they've arrested uh, Schmolverine and he's like, why didn't you kill him? Now he's just going to get off with insanity. Like he is just a murder enthusiast. He literally says you should have wasted him, which is such a standards <laughs> and practice X-Men Saturday morning cartoon where like Wolverine yeah. talking about Profe- uh, Project X is like, I was taught to uh, leave targets compromised or just yeah. like you can't say kill on a children's tv show <laughs> yeah and his and his commissioner is like ice the scumbag like he's just leaning into his role as a cigar chewing piece of shit now the the guy uh the guy with the claws uh is uh sort of locked in a rubber room it's like a, it's like a cartoon rubber room right like it's got like he's got the straight jacket we've got the padded walls yeah and and a music therapist <laughs> which you want comes to like crack the case because he's become catatonic and this music therapist whose name is what is her name it's like dr uh, doctor or something <laughs> she is uh dr jade de camp yeah, DeCamp, which is like, you know, Count de Monet. It's just like... <laughs> well, yeah, and after this guy was just found in a room with, like, two dozen slaughtered corpses, naturally and you know, one... Right off the bat, see Screaming Mad George effects where, like, a body is cut in half and the legs just slump off the table and the rest <sighs> of the body is still on the table. Fall off the bone tender. And, and the thing is, you know, so this guy has just clearly done gruesome murder to two dozen people and... One's response to that on a clinical level is naturally to place a poultry for them on a boombox. Yeah, it's so wild that, like, she brings in a boombox and a box of CDs, and it's Sepultura and, like, Mozart. Yeah. And well, she's like, wanna... which one will unlock his psyche? <laughs> it's... You want a full spread between Mozart and Sepultura. And so uh, he doesn't really respond to the uh, the classical... But, buddy, you put on that groove metal, and he... He, <laughs> he starts he, moshing, he's picking up change. Yeah, he's freak, he freaks the fuck out. He's doing 
<laughs> Which is also how I feel about when I when when Sepultura comes on. Um, now and, and at this point, uh, Doctor DeCamp is uh, has like a sort of a flirty interaction with uh, Jeffrey Combs's character, uh, Lieutenant Margolis, and he's and and it's at this point that you're like, oh no, he's gonna be. There's some shit going on with this guy. Like this isn't a straightforward character that they just happen to bring in Jeffrey Combs to play. No. He's also cuckoo bananas. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, the head doctor um, tries to take Dr. DeCamp off the case because of uh, the patient's uh, huge reaction to a, a sepulchre on a boombox. and um, He breaks the boombox, which also, big mood. <laughs> <laughs> huge mood. What you find out is that the fella, uh, who was a John Doe, his name is John Jaspers, and it turns out that, and at this point we're getting into the Crow territory because his girlfriend, whose name was Blue, sure, uh, was his, he was an artist and she was his muse, and then uh, it turns out that a bunch of goons who smuggled her into the country, apparently they weren't paid for smuggling her into the country. So this, uh, how would you describe this mob boss guy? He's like... He's like uh, a very Spanish uh, kingpin. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got the pencil mustache, just, um, just round and diabolical, and he just fucking you know demands this. Now, here's the thing: I've never understood about extortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're extorting someone and you killed them, doesn't that cut your revenue stream off? Because they can't pay you now. You've killed them. Yeah, so, like, wouldn't you just want to maim and, like, rough them up and, like, turn them upside down and shake the change out of them, like, steal their couch and collect all those quarters and put them in the coin star and say, like, I'll be back next week and you better have more money or... All right, or all right, we're gonna... More of this. All right, we're gonna ice this scumbag and then we're gonna go through the center console of his Camry. We're gonna recoup our losses. <laughs> Vinny, Polly, I want you to go through the couch cushions. I want you to go through the junk drawer. Maybe he's got some batteries we can have. I, <laughs> the know. sucker's stamp collection is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now what's incredible about this is that, like, the guy, he comes in and, you know, he's like, ah, waste them all. And, you know, they, they kill the shit out of her. Um, the It's like the crow because it's like, oh, we br- brought in a gang of goons to kill you. But the problem is that this movie isn't quite on that level. So it looks like the goons from Dick Tracy Yes, are, they're all are very like, cartoonish goons. You have the white guy with the afro. You've got the very large guy in the pork pie hat. You've got mm-hmm. punk girl who likes sex. She's, oh, yeah, you want her in the mix. Like It's like they brought in Dick Tracy villains to like, moonlight for the goons from The Crow, where you've got like <laughs> Hammerhead in there with his knives being like, wah. And so they, they, uh, they kill her, and then Jaspers, uh, John Jaspers, um, he's about to end it all by jumping off a bridge, but then who should show up? Oh, don't forget, there is the very extra scene where John Jaspers is like, I'll show you motherfuckers. And the guy's like, if you want to, here's my knife, and hands him a switchblade, and then <laughs> beats him soundly with his bare hands. And is like, see, you're nothing. Man, it's so much. Like, they, this, John Jaspers has a bad day. Um... And he uh, climbs onto a bridge to, to end it all uh, when, when who should approach him but uh, Satan. Well, not Satan. M. 
Yeah, because because it's not Mephistopheles, and this is we we don't know from the title Faust. You know, it's not the Faust that is the only <laughs> Faust that Western uh, culture has ever talked about. You know, it's like it can't Faust possibly with an, be that kind of movie. It's like Faust with an umlaut over the U because of the new metal. Like he's. Uh, Andrew DeVoth, now he's uh, M for Mephistopheles, and he um, offers to um, sort of like, you can get your revenge on the goons that killed your girlfriend. It's going to be great. Um, And what's incredible about this to me is that he uh, lays the foreshadowing with uh, John Jaspers, where he literally says like, there will uh, come a time when you do believe in something. And John John Jaspers is like, I believe in nothing. And then he literally says, yes, but there will come the day where you believe in something and you will regret the deal you have made tonight. And on that day, that thing too shall be mine. <laughs> he just straight up tells him like, okay, sure. I get that you're doing the like big Lebowski nihilist thing right now, but trust me, I'm later on in this motion picture that we're in right now. I'm going to come collect when you care about something. Listen, so. I know you're not going to read the terms and conditions, but you have to check the box. Just check <laughs> the fucking box and then hit I accept. Like, M is literally just Wishmaster. Like, this is the character you bring Ender Divoff in to play, where it's like, I can make your wish come true. And he's like, whatever, yeah, I want fucking Wolverine Claws. Um, and apparently... The Here's thing- what's wild, is he does not specifically say, I wish I had Wolverine claws. <laughs> That's what M gives him. Which I think he should be grateful for. <laughs> like, he They're didn't even have cool. to. Yeah, he could have given you, like, can openers. He could have given you, like, whisk hands. Like, Satan, he was he at least gave you the top shelf murder hands. Um, but apparently, he literally sells his soul for, for knife arms. Uh, and what's also incredible, by the way, that I need to go back to and mention, um, the, the mob boss before all this happens, I love the thing, I feel like this was really big in the 80s, where when you had, like, a mob boss or a guy who has a lot of money and a lot of guns, always they had a room that just had a wall that was a grid of TV screens. (laughs) Yes. Like, this is how you know that, like, oh, he's got his hands in everything, like, this guy... He's, it's, this might as well be like Jack Palance and Tango and Cash. Like, it's, it's incredible. So he gets superpowers and immediately, like in the first 20 minutes of this movie, kills all of the people that he wants to kill. And then he's like, "Uh uh-oh, that was really fun. And now I have bloodlust. And M shows back up and is like, I told you this was gonna, not gonna work out. You had fair warning. This is all in the terms and conditions. That's why you read them. Um, there is a incre- scene where he decapitates, where where uh, Faust decapitates multiple people and has all of their heads impaled on these Wolverine claws at the same time. And just like, yeah. they're bobbling around. And it is wonderful. Well, and yeah, and there's a bit where like the mob boss, who is snoozing? As all of this is happening, like, we've got uh, Faust just fucking pureeing everybody in a room. And then he finds this, um, the, the mob boss snoozing, and he goes, like, he wakes up to blood dripping on his face. and goes, Hubba, what? And then looks, and there's a severed head in his face. And Faust is like, ah, you like that shit? Another thing that I learned from this um, commentary track is 
the level of detail that Screaming Mad George and his crew did, there is a scene where um, Jerk Off, whatever his name, looks in the mirror and the mm-hmm. lightning flashes and his face turns into a demon. They made a prosthetic just for that shot. Fuck, that's incredible. This is why you want makeup people making a movie. And he said, it looks so good, we wanted to use it in other shots, but it didn't really fit in. So, oh well, look how good it looks there. (laughs) How much money must that have been for, like, one shot just because they were like, okay, that looks dope as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And, And what's really great is this is right on the cusp of using practical effects and only using CGI to enhance them uh, because there's these morph shots. The other great thing is Screaming Mad George talking about the costume design because very soon after this first thing, uh, Faust is becomes like a superhero. So he's got a cape made out of like bat skin and like claws for feet and like a devil for a face and all this. Well, and the comic book design of this superhero is like regular ass cowl and cape and boots. And Screaming Mad George is saying that he and, and Brian Yuzna were talking about like, okay, well, how do we do transformations? And all of a sudden he puts on boots and, and tights. And they're like, oh, what yeah. if we just make his skin the transformation? What if we just have him nude through the whole movie? So these two... <laughs> magical perverts are like yeah let's just have him naked and he just morphs (laughs) into this monster god fucking bless when he transforms into this monster after like now uh, a bunch of stuff happens it's not important why don't get hung up on the specifics but he uh fucks a lady in a shower now this lady turns out to be um one of m's henchmen named claire and she rolls up on john jaspers while he's in the shower and it's like a big, sh- it looks like a shower in like a locker room or something. It was actually a warehouse and they constructed the shower and the warehouse wow. was not heated. So the only heat in that scene is coming from the water that they are heating simply to pump through that shower to get the steam effect. So they were talking wow. about in the, the um, commentary about how the actors were like shivering between takes because they are naked and simulating fucking in like a 30 degree warehouse. That is got you know what? Thank you for your service. That is hats off to you for like managing to do this scene when you are both freezing to death and you're both miming fucking. Another thing they mention is later in the movie when uh, Dr. DeCamp is being electrocuted and crying, uh, they remind us that that wasn't acting. She actually, when they stopped rolling the camera, she was actually being injured and she was crying. And they're like, it looks like this is only a two second torture scene because of the shots, but we filmed this for an entire day. So both actors were very bruised and beaten by the end of the day. Oh, poor guys. I honestly, it this scene is very, like, ninja scroll to me in that it's like, you don't really, it's very, like, nine-year-old uh, horny weirdo logic of, like, yeah, and then the guy, he's taking a shower, but then a sexy lady demon comes into the shower, and she's like, oh, look at my tits, and then they fuck for no reason. Um, <laughs> it's extremely, like, you know, sure, th- this is and fine. And she's very much like, if you fuck me, we can overthrow M and like we'll take over 
Right, which this this of course backfires because then M uh, finds out about this and then like buries uh, John Jasper's alive and he's like, whatever you knew that I was gonna fucking betray you at some point because I'm like, if you trust me, it's like you're trusting Ric Flair on a tag team not to betray you. Like and then for some reason, just the letters A U S are on the tombstone, but lightning flashes and shadows make it read Faust. What is that? Why else? What's... I don't understand. You know what, guys? Like, I'm sure that they, they, they did that effect and they were like, looks pretty cool, huh? Um, but so he gets this buried whole alive. This movie is just, yeah, that looks really cool. Let's do that. <laughs> Which is why this movie is great. I'm just also, uh, before, you know, long before we get into whether or not this movie is good or bad, I'm just going to spoil it for you. This movie rules and I love it. And it's, this might be one of the purest, like, Friday night test pizza and mug root beer movies. Like so it, it is, it is, a, it is a fun about time. Mutated, uh, sexy lady. Oh boy. Okay. All right. So Quincy, late set, set, set the scene here. Okay. So I, I can't remember her character's name. It doesn't matter. She, not she has no agency in the entire movie. So M is like, I know you're fucking, uh, Jasper to try to throw me over but remember you're my goon and I've created you because you're not actually a person and I'm going to show you that because I'm going to melt you and he makes her he's like all you are are like a sexy lady so I'm just going to make you have a gi- giant boobs and a giant butt and she literally melts into the floor and just becomes giant undulating breasts and buttocks yeah, it's sort of sort of it sort of looks like a four leaf clover where it is just she becomes a a a tit and ass uh sort of flan in the floor like she just kind of melts and like her head is in the middle of it and she's like ah this sucks. The effects here are fucking upsetting because there's like milk leaking out of the tits. It's there 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 there's writhing. This is the the shot of the movie that I think you want to show your dirtbag friends to get to be like, watch, watch this movie with me. The amount of times that screaming mad George uses the technical term goopy in this, <laughs> in, the, in the commentary track. He's like, yeah, uh, Brian wanted another shot as goopy as, uh, the transformations in society. So I gave him this. <laughs> oh man. Honestly, screaming mad George um, I always think of him in the same breath as like a, an H.R. Giger or a Junji Ito, where it's like, oh, sure, they make horrifying things that'll make your fucking stomach rotate. But he is a giggly, friendly guy who is just super into this stuff. Like he's a tiny Japanese punk rocker who's just like, I really wanted to see what it would look like if somebody melted and became tits. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, what if? And let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let your dreams be dreams. Um, yeah, that scene is like that. That was actually the, uh, the the movies that I really like is that there's always one moment where I go, ha ha, holy shit. And it was the effects in that scene. Um, we So uh, M buries John Jaspers and he's like, lol, get fucked. And then John Jaspers in, in his grave, um, this is where we get the crow transformation bit where he just, yeah, yeah, like you said, he grows a superhero outfit out of his own body. His face grows horns and, like, weird dangly bits on the bottom. And there's also another appliance just for one shot. And it's made out of gelatin? 
instead of uh, the standard foam latex. So it's wiggly and jiggly. God fucking bless. And then he like sort of solidifies her back into her original shape and it's like, oh wait, no, you're talking about the, the excuse me, the, the, the horns. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I don't know, like there, there's an incredible thing where they still let his face be super, super expressive. Um, the actor they got to play Faust kind of good. (laughs) He's not good, but he gives me young Bruce Campbell vibes. I think when he's like, when he's really gooning for the camera and really like working his face and trying to, to do these things, he becomes downright fucking whimsical after he becomes the, the superhero version of Faust. Oh yeah. Once he becomes a superhero, he's just like, it's like, it's such a life field formula of. I like the Joker and I like Wolverine. So what if the Wolverine? What if the Joker had Wolverine claws and was also the devil? Fuck you, mom. <laughs> that could have actually just been the back cover of the of the DVD. It was just that verbatim. My um, dad said I shouldn't have gone to art school, but I'll show him. <laughs> Please buy my photocopied comic book for eighteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would buy that comic for $18. It's incredible. Here's the thing. Um, our friend, friend of the show, Kyle, collects shit like this. I've not read an issue of Faust in his collection, but he has other comparable insane comic books of people that, like, some dude in Ohio decided to start a comic book company that he ran out of his comic book store uh, and he sold like two issues before he went bankrupt, and now there's only like twenty, and uh, eighteen are in Kyle's basement. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm man. Kyle is video Steve. Like he's <laughs> he's the guy who has the fucking the, the he has he has that good good. Like if you're looking for again a DVD of Faust Love of the Damned with the full commentary track, he's he's your guy. Um, now now that um. So John Jasper's, uh, I guess Faust, we just call him Faust. Um, he is uh, making the rounds. He's killing off dudes. And he and... Um, just non-discriminately at this point. It's just dudes. He's like, I want blood. <laughs> it's like a beat-em-up game where there's just dudes appearing for him to fucking murder. And, and occasionally the plot is just the go-forward arrow. It's like, we have to get to the end <laughs> of this movie. I mean, that's exactly it, right? Like, this movie, it wants to be a lot of different kinds of movie because it's sort of like The Crow, but also wants to be like a gritty cop drama that deals with dirty cops, but it also kind of wants to be a tokusatsu movie. But it also, toward the end of the movie, wants to just basically become Caligula, which, sure, you know. And Um, let me tell you, I'm here for it. (laughs) Oh, oh, 100% same. It is a rollicking good time from start to finish. Hey, do you enjoy your commute but want to make it a little worse? It's real dumb. We hate ourselves. Hey guys, you ever like something? Well, you won't in this case. Men Like That. A podcast. At this point, we, we get a, a bit of backstory with uh, Dr. DeCamp, where you find out that she was like abused as a child and that she keeps seeing the the, the face of um, what, what turns out to be her father who abused but her. But is, is just called the Smooth Man, which is also just a melted wax style mask. Yeah. Um, it, there it, is it, a yeah. really cool, albeit gross given context, scene of Dr. DeCamp aged up to her current age 
dreaming about being a child and being um, assaulted where she floats off the bed and the smooth man floats towards her. Do you know how they made that effect? Who's that? They turn the camera sideways. They're both standing and they're just walking towards each other and acting like they're floating. It's amazing. Yeah, I it's 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 fucking incredible. They so the 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 plot progresses. M becomes made aware that uh, Faust is still kicking, which he's pretty upset about. And he and like all comic book supervillains, he's like, but I buried him alive. Yeah, like listen, there's only uh, Uncle Ben and Thomas and Martha Wayne. They're the only ones who stay dead. Everybody is basically okay. Um, and now, so, uh, at this point, uh, Faust and Dr. DeCamp have sex because they've had, like, chemistry the whole movie, sort of? I guess. Sure. Why not? Th- DeCamp this movie... doesn't really get much agency in this movie. This oh, definitely not. Believe it or not, this movie is not very uh, progressive. <laughs> <laughs> in its interpersonal politics? It is based yeah. off of a comic book written by a lonely incel in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Directed and... by the man responsible for the reanimator movies, where Barbara Crampton is reanimated with a needle between her boobs. Absolutely. This is, it's so of its time and place. Now, the thing is, again, I there's, there is an ambient horniness to this movie that underpins everything. It's not always super overt, but I feel like every character in this movie is always about four or five seconds away from like a Skinamax style sex scene. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's again, it's it's like it's like uh, a late 80s anime where it's just like you're going to get a gratuitous shower scene or someone's going to fuck and you're going to see some rotating tits um, and you just need to be prepared for that as it uh, progresses. Now, at this point, uh, M wants to do a ritual. Um, in a in a in a big room. At this point, it sort of turns into like Mortal Kombat in terms of set stylings. It's revealed that the whole town is a cabal of like demon worshiping folks, and the reason why. Right. And the psychologist at the beginning is is on the take, and so is the police, and so is basically everyone but Jeffrey Combs, DeCamp, and Faust. Yeah, and I think, so, as um, uh, M's plan, as always with Satan, is to bring about Hell on Earth, which is always like, oh, that's, so, Wishmaster. So, literally, what Wishmaster wants to do, um, and what oh, he has... You, you you casted the guy for Wishmaster to <laughs> reprise his role as, as Wishmaster? <laughs> I mean, maybe he's operating some from, like, Stanislavski method place where he just genuinely wants to bring about Hell on Earth. I don't know. Um, but now he, he looks like, okay, I think speaking of Mortal Kombat, there is a conversation, I think culturally between M, between Andrew Devoff as M and Christopher Lambert as Raiden in Mortal Kombat. I'm fascinated to hear your take on this. Well, because they both, uh, have, they, they both sound like, uh, uh, they both speak in a very affected way, but also they're both very white and have like sort of, uh, white haired skullets. And they're like the Svengali behind everything. And so we've got Andrew Divoff with this like white skullet. And it's so weird because I don't think his hair recedes that much. No, I think it is just slicked back that much. Uh, But that is his actual hair. They, They bleached his hair so much to make it that way. Which like... Man. Bless his heart. I mean... Live more from iZombie, that's a wig, because that's oh, not sure. something that a human being should have to endure. 
I'm actually super impressed that it didn't fry off Ender Divoff's hair to have that level of bleach. It's like no actual old person has hair this white sort of a thing. Like it's it he looks alpine in this role. But so we've got Santa um, this... doesn't have as white of hair as Andrew <laughs> Divoff in this movie. But also Grant's wishes does Santa Claus. So, you know, he's he's sort of like the Now, there's actually a thing here. I think I'm going to say a thing and I'm going to see if it's true. Jeffrey Combs, uh, the guy that played Herbert West, who plays uh, Lieutenant Margolis, I think he's the Wario to Kyle MacLachlan's Mario. Where he is the dark-sided version of the, like, the boy next door who spends too much time in his basement. But Kyle MacLachlan playing Dale Cooper, I feel like you would never get Kyle MacLachlan in this role, but they're kind, they kind of play the same characters. Okay, okay. Just with with slightly different twists. Because I'm thinking, like, Blue Velvet is very much literal boy next door finds an ear in the yard and then all of a sudden gets sucked into underground cabal. And it's just like, gosh, isn't this just wild? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but Blue Velvet with Jeffrey Combs in in the role, like, acting opposite Laura... No, no, not acting opposite Laura Dern. Acting opposite Barbara Crampton... As Laura yes. Dern in Blue Velvet. This is, yeah, this is what <laughs> the, I want. So this is our, our welcome to the, a new section of this <laughs> podcast, which is, is armchair casting. Just going to recast every movie. And and oddly enough, everybody is Barbara Crampton. I don't know. <laughs> it's the weirdest fucking, they're like, yeah, so no country for old men, but Anton Chigurh is Barbara Crampton and she's menacing a gas station owner who is also Barbara Crampton. <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't think it's too much to ask. Um, now the, so we, we get this big fucking ritual to bring about hell on earth. We get, um, so obviously Jeffrey Combs, who by this point has defected and like, he serves M now because he's a Jeffrey Combs character. Um, he is like caked in makeup. Like he's like perfectly nude, but wearing cracking gray makeup. And we also get, um, Claire who was trying to like seduce fast in a shower um, she's like tied to a cross and she gives birth to a snake through her belly button. Which is also just a small piece of silicone and the rest is just camera angle where they're just holding a snake up to her. So it's like, just like, you know, pulling a quarter out of your ear or, you know, blowing a tissue out of your nose. It's just they're holding a snake next to her and just like tilting the camera just enough that it looks like it's coming out of her that's incredible so like how much did having the commentary on this like enrich your experience it makes the film i i would venture without watching the commentary it's probably a slog (laughs) actually i'm not gonna lie to you the only there's a little bit of third act drag in this when it now we get the sort of rollicking body horror Faust murders everybody he slices he dices we've got like coal chamber playing in the background everybody's having a good time and then there's this weird uh bloat during the period where M is like setting up it's like he's trying to cater this event and he's trying to do logistics in like Google Doc and he's like Jerry did you get the table for the ritual and he's like trying to make this happen um, and then at this point, Faust, you know, sort of rolls up on the place and he's about to kill Satan. And what happens, like, a bunch of silly bullshit happens at this point. Oh, um, we also overlooked the just gratuitous S&M scene. Oh, please. Tell me, all right, let's, let's talk about this. So Claire says, 
There's only you. Claire is talking to Doctor DeCamp, and she says, "You only see women as Madonna or the whore, but can't you see that you can like being a whore and then you're the boss to everyone?" So she's like, "I'm gonna torture you until you get into it," which it's never been how I've understood any kind of uh, sadomasochism to work. It's like, you <laughs> so don't like, like this, but I'm going to hurt you until you change your mind. So she's like, a, this is like a girl boss lean-in version of a Cenobite? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, like she's like whipping her. It's a, like it's to the level that you're like kind of looking at your watch during this BDSM torture because here's the thing. If you're in a movie where people are getting, like, bisected and their heads chopped off and all manner of horrors, BDSM is just kind of quaint. Yeah. There's also five seconds of this movie where Claire kills him, and then he shows up in the next scene, and he's like, you dumb dumb, I'm a goddamn demon, I'm immortal. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna kill Satan. Why didn't anyone else think of that? That's incredible. You alone, out of like thousands of years, are the only one who has thought to kill me. I'm I'm just impressed. Um, so then th- we get Doctor DeCamp turning to be to just vibe vibing with the snake, <laughs> and the guy with the afro <laughs> also just vibing, just hang, having a good time. Yeah, hanging out. Listen, and then it's... they have a snake with a snake inside of it. With a snake inside of it, with a snake inside of it, mm-hmm. with a snake inside of it, with a snake inside of it, with a snake with a pentagram carved on his head, <laughs> summoned from hell. There is gratuitous pentagram abuse in this film. Like, there are so many pentagrams. And, like, this is long after, like, Satanic Panic era. This is just like, all right? I mean, listen, any any flat surface in this film, if it can have a pentagram on it, should have a pentagram on it. They do. And they do. Then this big old monster snake thing shows up. And and what I also love is the, the end snake, after like all of the series of Auroboro snake inside of a snake, has arms. <laughs> it it sort of looks like an axolotl a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's writhing, but it's got little little grabbers. Um now, what's incredible is that at this point we get like a big gratuitous laser that shoots out and from the pentagram, no less. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. It's it's like a Motley Crue music video, circa like nineteen eighty four. Um, now Faust is like trying to do battle with this big fucking. It like it kind of looks like the snake demon from season three of Buffy. Yes. Um, and Faust is like a little tiny guy, and this is a big snake. He's just like waving at the air directly above his head with his with his stabbers and just like Wah! and like it's like he's windmilling his arms while somebody is holding his head in place like he's trying so hard to gesture at the snake who's just hanging out very very far above him going like lol I'm a snake um and then at this point um a lot of silly bullshit happens and satan dies yeah yeah it's it's um, just it ends there's like a series of reversals where uh, Satan is like, ah, I impregnated you with my demon seed. And she's like, lol, I don't have a womb. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I work in the unimpossible. And then he just dies. And every and that's the movie. Um, That's the movie. But that's then don't the forget movie. that she says like, but I'll give my unborn child to save Faust. And he's like, I'm saved. And then it's like a double back again. But I'm actually going to die. And then it's like. <laughs> I don't care if the movie's over. <laughs> I've, Everybody left, in this I've walked out of the theater. I've kicked the 
popcorn off my shoes. I'm I'm in the car <laughs> driving home. Yeah, everybody in this movie is always plausibly alive or dead. Like you I can come back the VHS out of the VCR. I've stuck it in the rewinder. It's got to get back to Hollywood <laughs> Video in 20 minutes. <laughs> or we had to pay for another day. I can't afford the $5 fee. What it is, like, it's very sort of like, every character in this movie kind of has, like, a respawn point nearby to the scene where <laughs> nobody really, really dies at any point. Like, I'm sure immediately... Now, Claire is the only one left alive in this room. Um, but it's... Even at that point, you're like, I'm sure five minutes after the credits roll, everybody will have popped back up to do some other silly bullshit. Very Frank Langella in Masters of the Universe. After the credits, she just pops out and says, <laughs> I'll be back. And then it is, they never yeah. made a sequel. <laughs> oh my god, it's literally that. It, it's it's incredible. Um the so let's be let's let's talk straight. This movie fucking rules. It is Yeah, it's so it and it's simply because of the crew. Now I've read some critique that says this is just like every other Yuzna Screaming Mad George collaboration with diminishing returns. Now, that's silly because you can't have diminishing returns when every single movie, the idea is to go as big as possible. Yes. It's it's literally what we did, but more insane. It's the it's yeah. the shunting, but now with milky titties. <laughs> well, and that's what it is, is like, listen to me. Friends, if you're going into a Brian Yuzna film where Screaming Mad George has also done the effects, if you're looking for maturity and pathos and something, like, powerful that's going to stay with you, and if that's what you're looking for, you've come to the wrong fucking movie. If you want inflating, huge, weird body parts leaking all manner of horrors, this is the movie for you. If you want to have some complicated feelings, they're going to lead you down some weird corners of the internet. Please watch Faust. <laughs> if you want some Ray Harryhausen ask excited skeletons to roust Faust from his grave while typo negative plays in the background, this is the movie. Like, it's so much fun when it's fun. Now, there is some bloat in the movie, I think, where it's like, please, like, I get that we're setting up this big satanic ritual. I really want to get back to the gore, if that's yes. possible. And now, this movie is also, um, I feel like, Yuzna was feeling his Sam early Sam Raimi oats in this movie. Elaborate like, camera-wise. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, because, like, camera-wise, you've, you've got the actor playing Faust, who has kind of a young Bruce Campbell goonishness to him, and you've got the camera sort of, like, heading straight up everybody's nostrils and, like, sort of bouncing around... The like there there's a splashiness to this movie that made me think immediately of Darkman, which is not early you know Raimi, but it's it's very sort of I don't know like it's this is in conversation with sort of slapstick horror. I love slapstick horror. Yes, and like, yet this movie is not funny in the slightest. No, no, I would say that it has a complete lack of sense of humor somehow. Yeah, it's weirdly, and and I would like to blame the script, not the director, or the 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 crew or the actors. I think it is the because here's the thing: the script written by the comic book creator. So you can tell in the script it is that very 
over serious, this is my magnum opus, is Batman sold his soul to the devil to get Wolverine claws. I've got to get this <laughs> script right, and we've got to pack in the entire 52-issue story arc in an hour and a half, so we're going to shove this together. And it actually, it's plotted like a comic book, too. You have the yeah. low-level goon discoverer of powers. You have the little bit of character development. You've got the B-plot with Claire. You've got the running mystery of who the smooth man is. You have the unsatisfying reveal. You have the death and rebirth of the character. It's so fucking comic booky. And what's yeah. weird is in 2000, we got some of the most comic booky comic book movies. We got Spider-Man. We got fucking Blade. Oh, we got yeah. the X-Men movies. We got this. And yet, what's weird is... This is my old man sitting in my my armchair now. Sure. Avengers and Endgame is not comic book movies in the same way as, like, Faust is comic book movies, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're completely right. Like, as far as the Marvel movies are aware, like, fuck actual... And this isn't me even even me being, like, critical of the, the Marvel movies, because, like, they're, they're fun thrill rides or whatever. But uh, those are... the rips. Oh, Black Panther rips, uh, Ragnarok rips, I love Iron Man 3, there are a bunch of them, like, I love the Guardians movies, but those aren't gar- those aren't comic book movies in the regard that they are meant to appeal to uh, people like us, who are the worst <laughs> people in the world. They're not translating comic books onto film, they are taking IP and repurposing it. And God bless them for it, and they should, because, and you know, there's room for both, where it's like... You know, Thor Ragnarok is a goddamn delight, and I've watched it a dozen times, and I'll watch it a dozen more, um, because it doesn't really care about what a comic book fan would want from this, but it does care about what somebody who wants to see Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster would want. Um, Yeah, this is a comic book... comic. You know what it is? I just figured it out. I figured it out. It's the hyphen between comic and book. Thor Ragnarok is a comic space book movie, Faust, Love of the Damned, is a comic hyphen book movie. It is a comic book movie. It is a movie yeah. of a comic book. Yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah, so like, give me one of those comic books. And like they've <laughs> adapted that into a, into a movie. Now, okay, okay, so, okay. Th- so could we also say this is the graphic novel movie? It's not a comic book movie. <laughs> it's a graphic novel movie. Now, as somebody who just read all of the Berserk manga, because a uh, friend of the show, Evan McDevitt, sent me uh, every single uh, Berserk manga. Holy this shit. This is I'm absolutely that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we're cramming as much into a tight 90 as we possibly can. Now, all right. So as we've as we've said, this movie uh, fucking rips, and it's by the way, um, even though it may not have uh, the incredible commentary by Screaming Mad George and Andrew Divoff, um, the whole movie is available for free right now on YouTube. So if you go on YouTube and look up Faust, Love of the Damned, you too can watch somebody melt into a puddle of butt cheeks and boobs. However, um, if you have a spare $90 lying around, <laughs> you can find this on eBay. Or you can go to your local Goodwill, where you probably can also find it. <laughs> yeah, you can get it with a tweed jacket that doesn't fit. Um, so, all right, so looking at our list, Quincy, I'm going to just start sort of dead center, middle of our list. Um, at number 268, we have House of a Thousand Corpses. Do we think Faust Love of the Damned is a better movie? Ooh, 
It would be easier if we take another comic book movie on the list. Oh, right, you are. So at number 276, we have Zygote. They're, they're such different metrics. I mean, I know the conceit mm-hmm. of the show is we do this. Oh, sure. But like, Zygote is a real film, and this is just <laughs> yeah. like a movie. All right, so Quincy, uh, I this is my, my frame of reference. At number 239, we have uh, Tokusatsu uh, body horror movie Giver colon Dark Hero. And it's not for nothing that Giver 1 was directed by Screaming Mad George. Hell yeah. And like, at number 238, we also have Shin Kamen Rider, which is body horror Kamen Rider. Oh, for sure. Um, I feel like I want to give Giver Dark Hero the edge between this and uh, Faust Love of the Damned. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that the effects and and the source material are a lot better. Mm-hmm. Now, underneath that, at number 245, we have Ghosts of Mars, which is another just oh, man. insane premise of a movie. <laughs> I, I fucking love that terrible movie. Um, I Now, as somebody who loves a movie that features Ice Cube in a role called Desolation Jones... In a movie that basically broke John Carpenter, I I hate that I'm going to do this. I think I'm giving the edge to Faust, Love of the Damned, because um, Ghost of Mars kind of doesn't know what it's working toward or what it's trying to do, where Faust, Love of the Damned, knows exactly what side of the bread its butter is on. Now, I want to suggest um, above... <clears throat> Uh, okay, so and number two forty three is Night of the Demons, which is also oh, a special effects demo reel, and I think uh, fans of it cannot forget Linnea Quigley shoving a lipstick through her uh, skin. Yeah, that's I, honestly that's the shot I always think of when I think of Night of the Demons. Now, right above Night of the Demons, which I actually want to advocate for as being slightly above. Um, Faust, uh, it would be Ravenous from 1999, which was the cannibalism movie that, like, sort of took place in the American West, and you've got, um, the guy that played Bagby in Trainspotting, and it's kind of homoerotic, and David Arquette is there, and he dies, and it's, it's great. So, yeah, so I would, I would feel pretty good about, um, at number, um, putting, putting, uh, Faust, Love of the Damned. At our new number 243. I think that that is a, a really good choice. I think so, too. Oof. Man, guys, truly, if you can watch this movie, you should watch this movie. Like, it's... <clears throat> I mean, assuming that you are um, in the in the market for a goopy, goopy movie um, featuring Wishmaster also as Satan, it's it's on YouTube, or and, and even once it's probably booted off of YouTube, it will wind up on Tubi. At some point. I can also tell you that even though it doesn't have the commentary track, uh, this is highly circulated in the VHS community as well. Because it was at the... Coming out in 2000, the height of uh, video rental, uh, it was was, uh, printed on every format imaginable. Um, I'm holding my fingers crossed for a blue... uh, a boutique blu-ray release oh like if, if uh, vinegar syndrome got on it and released a blu-ray release of faust Love absolutely of the there was an arrow video dvd oh dvd only. so like there's a pal release of this 
but it did not have the Screaming George commentary. So here's where we're getting into true nerd territory is like archival (laughs) bonus features. Uh But I'm hoping that we get a full restored scan and um, restored bonus features as well as hopefully new uh, bonus tracks. And by the way, because this keeps happening, if anyone out there runs a DVD company and wants us to do a commentary track, please email us. I don't know how... Oh, yeah these goons get on there but i promise ryan and i can do a better <laughs> job than some of these commentary tracks yeah if you're getting the guys who made hatchet on friday the 13th part four to just talk about how much they like the movie friday the 14th part four we can also do that give us money we can do that for you specifically here's the thing i would uh do it just for a free copy of the movie <laughs> I mean, this is, that's the thing. We love doing this bullshit anyway. We would do it for probably like a coaster with Faust Love of the Damned on it. Um, we, listen, it's, yeah. So, you know, if you ever want us to do a commentary, please hit us up. Um, all right, goddamn. Yeah, so number uh, number 243, I feel, I feel pretty good about it. Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? We are on your favorite social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Rank and Vile. We're on Twitter at Rank and Vilecast. We are on YouTube at Rank and Vilecast, where we have a playlist of the best tie-in raps in horror movies. Uh, we have a Discord. Um, if you want to drop us an email, that's rankandvilecast at gmail.com. We have a pretty inactive Tumblr, but if anyone is still on Tumblr, uh, we've got that. And you can also uh, find a link to our Google Docs list, um, I think on Tumblr and on a couple other spots. If you ever just need it, just at Rankin Valcast and we'll appear and and help you out. Like Andrew Divoff, we'll just show up and and give you information (laughs) on the podcast. I assume that Andrew Divoff is just like Satan's actual understudy. (laughs) Like, if he needs somebody to, like, appear at a crossroads and fucking sell somebody on something, they get they get Andrew Duboff. Um, Guys, if you have... I know we weren't able to get to any today. Um, everybody out there who has requested uh, sh- uh, movies and shows for us to do, um, we have seen you, and we love you, and we will do them uh, very, very soon. If you have any other movies that you want us to cover on the show, uh, possibly for uh, bonus Patreon content, who can say? Uh, you're going to want to send that to rankandvilecast at gmail.com or... Uh, you're going to want to drop it in our ask box on Tumblr. Um, But yeah, barring that, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.